Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope X prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them, Padres EVT podcast, Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual is Patrick Brewer. What's up, Patrick? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, James. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Padres uh, fresh off a uh, three-game... That was a sweep of the Phillies, was it not? Yeah. I mean, I guess wow, the Phillies yeah, are that it, it, bad, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I see a lot of a lot of Padre Twitter complaining and crying that, you know, they should have lost those games and the tank is not in effect anymore. And it, it's... I don't know. It's a fine line. It's bizarre to to root against your team, but at the same time, I can understand the logic behind the higher draft pick. So, uh, the life of a Padre fan, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Padres are now like the ninth worst record, I want to say. So they've quickly, very quickly, they might even fall out of top 10 draft position at this point. I mean, they're better than the Mets. They're better than the Braves even. Um, they're getting yeah. close to the Pirates. They're better than the Reds, the Giants, a um, few American League teams, White Sox. I think they just passed the Tigers. They just passed the Athletics. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a good amount of teams that they're now ahead of. So, yeah, the tank's not really working out as well as maybe they hope, which maybe that's a good sign. I mean, there's players playing well, which I guess is good. And Andy Green seems to be – I know people want to say managers don't have that much of an impact, but I think he's got to be doing something right, right? I mean, they've won yeah. 54 games, which, I mean, most people might thought they might have won 54 games for the whole season. Here we are mid-August, and they're already at a 450 win percentage. I mean, they're only a stone's throw from 500, realistically. I mean, it's not going to happen, but it's kind of amazing to see that the team's so much better than really anyone thought. And we, we see the Phillies, I think they're now a full 10 games ahead of the Potters in terms of being awful so it's kind of interesting to see how quickly mm-hmm. things have changed and yeah this was a big series for the tank I mean if they would have got swept by the Phillies it would have gotten the two teams closer but I mean, at this point I mean you gotta just take what you can get and, and take the progression even if it, the record's not really showing maybe what we want it to show yeah I mean it, it, it's it's always tough to root against your team but I mean like I say you can understand the logic behind it uh, at, at this point being ninth worst is is it's getting a little concerning uh those mid mid level draft picks aren't aren't where you want to be when you're rebuilding um at this point I'd be still be happy with a top 5 pick but I'm pleased that this team is producing better and and the cohesion on the team is is a lot better and you know you you said at the beginning of the year people were predicting 60 wins for this team and and you know I it, obviously they're not going to finish with 60 wins they're going to be, you know, surprising some people, and, and yeah, it's it's tough. I'm really torn, because I do understand the logic behind the the, the tank and earning higher selections, but at the same time, I, I'm very excited with this young team, and, and the fact that, like, a, a Margot, a Hedges, and 
even a Renfro are producing at a young age. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's realistic to think this team could win 70 games, which maybe that's not what people wanted. Maybe they wanted closer to 60 or even less, but um, you can't really complain if, if guys are progressing, if you see these guys uh, playing better and it's, it's leading to wins on the field and these guys are getting experience and I think it's important for all these young guys to get that experience and to, to feel what it's like to win a little bit, even though it's obviously a lost season and on a team that's not really going anywhere, at least in the next few years. But I think it's good to see them uh, get that positive development. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think the tank's really necessarily over. I mean, sure, they're, they're performing better, and obviously they're at a ninth draft pick right now, but I don't think that the tank is done. I don't think the farm system is complete. I don't think you're ever really done. Until you're until some of these guys start coming to the big leagues, and sure you have Lametta, M- Maton, McGrath, Renfro, Margot, Hedges, all those guys are up. That's the first wave, but there's really like four waves that we're waiting on. I mean, we're still waiting on wave two, and then yeah, wave three, wave four, and then mm-hmm. at that point you got to see what you have in wave two and three. I think that's really the determining point of is the tank over? Can we start spending money on the free agent market, making trades, uh, trading some of these prospects that maybe don't have a spot on the team? That's when you start making those decisions. I think now you still have to to go all in on the tank and they're not really going to be I don't think they're really going to be pushing all in next year it just doesn't make any sense because the parts just aren't there so I think the tank not really over I think they've done a good job at the tank I think it's it's getting there I think it's at least half over but I don't think you can really say it's a done finished product at this point no I, I agree with you there's a, there's a series coming up with Washington which uh, could be a, a, a fairly bad series for the Padres. Uh, there's also a lot of games left against the Dodgers, uh, Rockies, and the Diamondbacks who could very easily put them in a tailspin and, and get them to where the tank experts want them to be. Um, at this point, I'd, I'd love for them to leapfrog the three or four teams that are basically right there in front of them, uh, like a Detroit or uh, the Mets or Atlanta. Well, if you look at last year, they were in a similar spot, and over the last, I think, didn't they get swept by Arizona at the last weekend, yes, and they yes. jumped, they jumped like five and, spots, right? And that paid off yeah. great because they got Mackenzie Gore. So maybe that's a similar scenario exactly. that you want to have happen this year. We're gonna we're gonna need something like that because there's gonna be matter of of uh, just a few games separating four, five, six teams, or it, it could go down to that. So it's it's tough. Obviously, you want your team to succeed, but. You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this next month and a half goes. And Andrew, Andy Green is not the type of manager to roll over uh, for anyone. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting this next month and a half, needless to say. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch and uh, hoping for the best either way. Yep. Uh, okay, folks, so for our episode 57 today, we are bringing in A.J. Casavell of MLB.com, who is the Padres beat writer. Uh AJ does great work. He has uh, frequent our show uh, numerous times, and uh, we're pleased to have him on. Uh, Stay tuned. He will be right back. Uh, We will be right back with AJ. The Spillage Times podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Uh, For a limited time, they're offering a promotional code for us, for all of our listeners. Uh, EBT15 is the promotional code, and that will give give you 15% off uh, their entire uh, inventory. So check it out. Originalgrain.com is the site. Uh, they make some beautiful watches. Local company based out of San Diego. Uh, check them out. Welcome back, folks, to episode 57 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we are happy and lucky to be joined with uh, or by. Like, why well, I always say with and by? We're all, we're happy to be joined. <laughs> uh, 
AJ Casabell is here with us, uh, MLB writer, and he follows the Padres day to day. What's going on, AJ? How are you doing today, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not a problem. Uh, so let's let's start off with the state of the team right now. Um, obviously, you've been there since the beginning of the spring training. Uh, you heard all the the hundred loss rumors or the hundred loss speculation. Um, tell me how the feeling of this locker room is compared to the beginning of the season. Oh, it's definitely different. I think they had a lot of young guys, obviously, uh, break camp with the team. Uh, a lot of guys who hadn't spent a lot of time in the major leagues, specifically guys who hadn't play, played a full season in the major leagues. And now I think they feel like they belong. Uh, not that not that the clubhouse was ever down or, or in a funk earlier in the season. It's just that, that I think when the Padres show up to work now, They've proven to themselves that that they can play with uh, the majority of, of the teams in the league, and they feel uh, they feel as though they belong. Guys like like Manny Margot, Austin Hedges, uh, they've really they, they've really kind of solidified themselves as bona fide major leaguers. And I think uh, kind of the whole clubhouse is is it's upbeat. It's also all, there was the speculation early in the season about about numbers like a hundred losses. I, I I kind of felt like that was a little too premature, just given the way they. Uh, it's a young team that that probably doesn't yet real it 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 just doesn't realize uh, they're having too much fun playing in the major leagues to get to get bogged <laughs> down by expectations and so I think they um, I don't think they were ever on pace for for some disastrous season like that um, and I think they probably we could probably say they've exceeded the expectations a little bit. Yeah, no, they did definitely have. I think there were a lot of concerns with the pitching staff, but. Uh, a lot of the starting pitching has really come through. I mean, Denilson Lamette has been pretty solid since being promoted, and it, it's nice to see the farm system start to bear some fruit little by little. Uh, we, you, you talked about Hedges and Marco. Uh, the first wave of talent is here, and, and they're performing admirably, so it's, it's exciting. I mean, even Franchi Cordero, who had a cup of, co- cup of coffee earlier in the year, showed uh, in, in sporadic moments that he could be a, a legit major leaguer as well. Um, recently, Andy Green was signed to a contract extension. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I, to me, he seems like the perfect candidate to, to kind of steer this uh, young ship in the right direction. But um, please give me your, your thoughts on, on Andy Green's extension. I don't think it was ever a question of whether he'd get the extension. I think it was a matter of, of when and how long uh, the extension would be. Uh, it's through 2021. So what that what that tells me is um, the, the Padres' uh, front office is pleased with the job that Andy's done so far. And they want him uh, kind of leading them into the into the period where they feel like they're contenders. Uh, probably not next season, but but maybe 2019 they'll be competing for a playoff spot. Um, Andy Green, uh, they feel like is 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 their guy. Uh, he's uh, he's he's done an admirable job this season. Uh, if, if you look at essentially what he's been given roster wise and, and after the start they got off to, I'm not so sure the record really matters as much in terms of the way uh, the, 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 his players uh, feel about him and the way they, the way they kind of rally for him. They uh, every To a man in that clubhouse, everyone respects the heck out of Andy Green. And so uh, essentially, essentially what, it's, what it's done is it's brought in some continuity to, uh, to, to the Padres through 2021. A lot of these guys are going to be with the team uh, for that entire period. You look at Hedges, Margot, Renfro, and Myers, all four of them are... are under team control for 2022, and so uh, it's it, it's it's mostly about continuity more than anything else. Uh, I wanted to switch gears a bit and talk a little about Will Myers. I know it seems 
Like, the fan base has, I don't want to say turned on him completely, but it seems like the perception of Myers has changed uh, quite significantly from where it was maybe in the offseason or even at the end of last year. Um, I wonder your thoughts on him. I know there's, there's been times where we think, oh, he's heating up, and then he kind of takes a step back, and oh, he's doing something good, and then he takes a step back. Uh, so I kind of wonder your thoughts on where you see him now and kind of, and I know you've talked to him personally quite a few times, so I wanted an idea of where his head's at and how he thinks he can right the ship, so to speak. Well, I think Myers Myers the first to admit uh, that this that this season right now is not up to par of, of the contract he was offered. But um, I also don't. I think it's, it's it's premature to say whether or not the Padres made a wise decision decision spending the money they did during the off season. He's got a long way to go. It's the first year of his contract. He wasn't a completed. He was not a finished project last year. He's not a finished project this year. Um, where he is mentally, uh, I, I think he. He might be trying to shoulder a little too much of the load. He he knows he's struggling, and he knows that he needs to produce for this team uh, to to be what it hopes to be in the future. And so that might be wearing on him a little bit. I, I've kind of gotten that sense uh, from speaking with him. But I've, I also he, he's 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 willing to work through it. Um, he's uh, I, I think the talent is obviously there, and there's so many times where we've said, "All right, he's ready to break out of it." And then, uh, and he doesn't. Um, I think maybe Will Myers isn't the player we saw last June, but he also isn't the player we've seen for the last two months. He's he's somewhere in between, and that can be that can be pretty valuable if he skews toward toward production more than he's done the last couple months because he's he he, he can create runs, he can drive the ball with authority to all parts of the ballpark, and. He he. There is some on base ability in him, even if he hasn't really. I mean, I, I think he's around league average on base percentage this year. Uh, there's more in there for him. So, I think uh, more than anything, um, I, I I would just say I know the fan base is probably is, is pretty frustrated with Myers, but he's not the finished project. There's there are still five years left to go on his deal, and we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll get a better I think idea in terms of how he can respond. Uh, next season when he'll have had two full seasons under his belt here. Do you think um, I guess the lineup construction plays into it at all? I know a lot of people want to say that Matt Kemp was kind of a, a power source in that lineup and without him, Myers kind of feels like he has to do too much and he kind of has to do things himself. Do you feel like that plays into it at all psychologically or in any other sort of way? Psychologically, maybe. I mean, you, you have to really get inside the player's head to know. I, I'm not a big fan of say of using lineup construction as an excuse for for struggles. I don't think mm-hmm. like if, if Will Myers is hitting with Matt Kemp in the lineup, Will Myers should also be able to hit without Matt Kemp in the lineup. I don't think it changes too much, and there have been studies that have kind of proven that um, psychologically. I, I don't think it, it changes in terms of his day to day at bats, but it might change in terms of if, if Will Myers is hitting 240 like he is right now. Uh, the Padres can't if if two years from now will myers is putting together a season like this and it's when the padres are, are hoping they can contend well that's probably will will myers 240 average or whatever and his his, his one war probably isn't good enough to help them get into that contention and if the, if there if there aren't enough pieces around him i'm, I'm sure uh given what we've seen there he, he might have a tendency to kind of press in that situation so uh, it, psychologically, maybe lineup construction, maybe protection has something to do with it. I don't, I don't think it should. 
uh, if, on, on paper, but baseball's not played on paper. Baseball's a difficult game, and, uh, and and there's time for Myers to adjust. Plus, I think there there will be a bit more protection as some, as some of these younger hitters start to mature. Yeah, no, I agree. The, the Myers situation is, is a little bit of an enigma. I mean, we're we're all trying to search, trying to search and, and find exactly what the issue is with him. I, I think a lot of it is mental, and and he's he is putting a lot of pressure on himself. I, I can kind of see it. I mean, he he miss, just misses a ball and flies out to center field, and he gets really frustrated. Where last year he was a little more stoic and kind of just kind of just you know, well, well, it happens, and you know, it, it, it's a tough part of the game. The mental side of the game is is really difficult. Um, let's talk let's talk about a couple of players who have clearly taken that next step uh, mentally and and that's Corey Spangenberg and Carlos Asuaje. Uh both young guys have have just impressed this year especially Spangenberg of late I mean when you look at his slugging numbers and, and people are comparing it to the the week that uh, Giancarlo Stanton has you can uh, you can kind of take some pride in that uh, give me a little bit on, on Asuaje and in the especially Spangenberg with his uh, you know developing power if you will yeah, I don't think Corey Spangenberg is ever going to be a, a big-time home run threat. I think this little stretch he's on is is probably more of an anomaly. He's uh, okay. but but if he but if he's driving the ball into the gaps and, and reaching base by doubles or, or singling his way on and stealing second, that's that's a productive guy to have in the order. Uh, he, he's not a not a great defender at third base, but he's improving, and I, th- I think he uh, the player he could become. Is a is a very useful piece for the Padres going forward. Just just as a guy who can do a little bit of everything, um, he can he can hit for he can hit line drives. He can hit for power. He can he can run. Uh, he's a fun player to watch. I think Aswai is a Aswai is obviously a different player. He's more of a, he's he's more of a top of the order kind of get on base. He in in my opinion he works the toughest at bats of any. Padre on the team. He's he just, he's he's scrappy. I would not enjoy facing him if I were an opposing pitcher, just because it's hard. It's 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 hard to put him away. It seems like, and uh, mm-hmm. there's there's a long way to go. It's a small sample size for both in terms of the success that they've had. But um, I think both of them are they, they've they've laid the groundwork this season for for the possibility to turn into players who could uh, help the Padres in the long run. Yeah, no, there's definitely going to be some uh, some evaluations that are going to be needed in the off season as far as what they're going to do at second base and third base because they're they're really crowded in those situ- in those positions and and they're getting production from those positions as well. Uh, we just need a damn shortstop to show up somewhere. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about uh, the tank talk. Uh, Patrick and I went into that a little bit before. Um, the series, the series sweep against the Reds is a little detrimental to the, the tank people that are out there. Uh, Phillies, my bad. Uh, are you know it, it's tough. It's it's tough being a fan and, and rooting against your team, but we can certainly understand the the logic behind the higher draft selections. Um, I'm, I'm interested to know what your your thoughts on the tank um, talk that is kind of sweeping uh, Major League Baseball in the last couple of years. Well, I think there's. The, the way the system's set up, there's obviously merit to to getting a, a high draft pick, um, and I, I think in baseball it's it's a little different than in other sports. The biggest reason being, um, if you, I, I don't, I don't want to say that that prospects aren't as sure things because they're they are more sure things than ever. I just think that uh, there's it, it takes more time for them to develop. So if you look at 
if you look at uh, uh, last season and, and Drew Pomerantz, Drew Pomerantz helped the Padres win a few extra games. Maybe they get the number two pick. Instead, they get the number three pick, and they also get Anderson Espinosa. Now, I know Espinosa's had his problems since then, but uh, there's there's merit to winning if you can develop players who who look appealing and, and to, to other teams. Uh, it's not the only way to build your team in baseball is not through the draft. And so I think uh, I think losing 100 games and getting the number one pick sometimes might not be as beneficial as maybe losing uh, 88 games, having two or three trade chips that you can deal away, and, and, and those, guys, those are the guys that help you win those extra games. Having two or three trade chips you can deal away who end up uh, turning into some prospects that can help you for the future. So that's where I stand on it. I think there's also, there is also some merit to building a, a, a winning culture with guys who are going to be here long term. Um, if, if this were a team that had players that, that weren't going to be a part of the team uh, of the next contender and they were winning games, I don't think that would serve a whole lot of purpose. But there are guys like Austin Hedges and Hunter Renfro and, and Manny Margot who, who they've won. They've won at, at different levels in the minor leagues. And now they're in the major leagues and winning. And I don't know if that can be construed as a bad thing. I know there is merit in getting, that, in getting a higher pick. But... Um, it's it, it, the, the way the system's designed. I understand. Uh, I certainly understand uh, the desire to, to, to get a number one pick because the value there is definitely higher than, than six or seven. Going off of that point, um, there's there's been a lot of sentiment I think from Padre fans. Some people like starting to question whether the tank is over, whether like there's going to be a turning point now. I wanted your your thoughts personally on that, and maybe. If you have any feeling from the organization what their real goal is, I know we've heard 2019 from some people, 2020. What do you think a realistic uh, expectation here is for the team to be competing? Well, I think it depends what you mean by competing. Um, I mean, some would say they're, they're they're competing decently this year against teams that aren't that aren't in the thick of the playoffs. I think next year, uh, there's a long way to go this season and a lot of games against a lot of tough teams, and so. Uh, I think to the Padres have played some really good baseball recently, but let's wait until we have a 162 game sample size to to really look back on the season and say, uh, with without a lot of the games are that they have remaining are against Arizona, they're against they're against Colorado, and they're against uh, against the Dodgers, and I think they have four this weekend coming up against the Nationals. So it's uh, there's there's a lot of baseball left to uh, to. to to simply say, well, the Padres are winning now, and it's it's going to be all uphill from here. Uh, that said, I think I think maybe next season is is a little more development. Twenty nineteen could could theoretically be the year where, where they're in in the race for a wild card, and then I think within the organization, the hope is that they're in the race. They're in a race in twenty nineteen, and consi- and they make that a consistent thing by twenty twenty, where they're where they're competing in, in the playoffs. Yeah, no. I, I think there's going to be a steady progression with this team, and, and we're already we're already seeing it, and it's it's exciting. It's exciting for Padre fans because for a long time we've been starved of any kind of uh, competitive team. Um, you know, you know. I know you don't do a whole lot with the minors, but I'd love to hear your impression of uh, Michelle Baez, who's kind of just caught fire in the minor league system. Yeah, I haven't. I like like you said, I don't. Miners, but I, I do keep in touch on it. I mean, he's he seems like a like like a star caliber guy, um, and probably closer to the major leagues than I think even the Padres thought when uh, when they originally signed him a year ago. 
Yeah, no, he's he's impressive. I think just uh, the fact that he's able to repeat his motion at such a you know being six eight and and, and hitting a hundred miles per hour and being his mechanics being so solid, it's 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 exciting. Um, okay, AJ, I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, one last question for you. Uh, I'd love to know um, if you have any storylines for the rest of 2017 or anything that you're keeping your eye on for this team uh, the rest of the year. Well, we we obviously touched on the one already being Will Myers. Um, mm-hmm. He that's that's I think it's important that uh, that this funk doesn't kind of carry over into the off season for him. That he kind of pieces something together before the end of the season. Um, I think another storyline is watching how Denelson Lamette. Uh, finishes the year he's been really good for about a month now but uh it's it, it, i think people in baseball are split on whether he can he can sustain long term with just a fastball slider mix does he continue to develop his changeup? uh is he is he is his fastball command which has gotten a lot better recently is that enough to sustain his fastball slider his slider is one of the best it might be it might be the best pitch a padre has i i well aside from probably brad hand slider um, and even then, I put it. I put it right on that level. It's it's nasty. But the question is, can you sustain as a starter with only two, essentially only two pitches? Uh, so his progression is another, I think, storyline. Um, and and other than that, I think it's just the young guys and how they how they finish a 162 game season. None of them, or, or for, for the most part, none of them have done so. So uh, I think even if they struggle down the stretch, the fact that they get this year under their belt is a big deal. Yeah, no. This this season is about progression, <clears throat> which we've already alluded to, and it's it's it'll be. There's definitely plenty to see and plenty to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how Aswahi and Spangenberg finish out the year if they're able to keep up their mm-hmm. their hot start that they're on. I mean, there's there's so much to talk about. The bullpen's kind of uh, developing, and then there's September call-ups as well. So there's it'll be interesting to see what uh, or who the Padres call up in September. Uh, I wouldn't expect a Quantrill or a Lauer like some people are are. Wishing, but you know it, it'll be interesting to see who, who they uh, who they bring up September first. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for for joining us. I, I know you're a busy guy, and, and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much again. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can ever do for you. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, if, for those of you that don't know, AJ follows the team day to day. He's the beat writer for MLB.com. Uh, he does great work, puts up fantastic pieces uh, every single day. So give him a follow and uh, support the Padres. Uh, once again, thank you, AJ, and uh, have a great day, man. Uh, Patrick, that was a great show. It's nice to talk to AJ and, and get a little bit of uh, feeling about how the locker room is and how the uh, general feeling of, of the Padre team is right now. Yeah, it's good to get an inside perspective on kind of how he sees the team because he's obviously seeing the team day to day. He's talking to the players. He's talking to the coaches, the organization. Um, he, he's kind of getting that firsthand experience that uh, we as fans don't always get to, to get to have that same experience. So it, it really means a lot to, to hear that perspective and to see where the team's going. For sure. And uh, that was AJ's third show with us. So he is officially the, the guest that we've had the most on the most time. So I, I for what, for what that's worth, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Padres are looking at a tough series against the Nationals this weekend. Uh, we will see uh, exactly what kind of ball club this team has. And, and uh, I would imagine they're going to put up a pretty good fight. Uh, Scherzer's in the mix in here. I, I don't, does he pitch tonight or is it tomorrow that he pitches? Uh, I do not know off the top of my head. I can look it up right now, though. 
Yeah, well, they, they're going to have to deal with some pretty tough pitching, and uh, obviously, even minus Bryce Harper, that's a very tough team. So, um, oh, it's go actually, out there uh, and former, support former the Padres. Former Padre great Edwin Jackson's pitching tonight. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Edwin. Sh- there you go, Edwin Jackson against Scherzer's tomorrow. So yeah, okay, it's going to be rough. <laughs> well, so we sh- so the Padres need to beat up on Edwin Edwin Jackson tonight to uh, get off uh, on a good foot in the series for sure. Definitely. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, episode 57. Uh, Patrick, just uh, go ahead and take us out. Uh, we are hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. That'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm Patrick Brew 93. James is EVT underscore news, EVT underscore J Clark. Uh, and we're also EVT podcast on Twitter. Um, give us a follow on all those. Give AJ Casavella a follow. I believe he's just AJ Casavella on Twitter. Um, yeah, we really appreciate you guys uh, continuing to listen to us drone on about this terrible team, but <laughs> it's it's always fun. Yeah. yeah, they're they're transitioning from terrible to horrible, if that's a positive. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Thank you, folks, for joining us. Uh, East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.